Welcome back. Great to be back with you on the Bet US NFL show. I am merely the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. The guys that you are here to watch and to learn from are handicappers Chris Farley, Scott Kellen, back aboard for another edition. Good to have Kellen back with us. Proof of life after he was in London with the Packers and they didn't win. And then we didn't have you after that. So I'm glad that you're back with us, looking good and feeling good. How are you, Scott? Hey, I am great. Uh, London was great. Uh, just real quick, I tried to place a bet there right across in the stadium. And, uh, you know, there's no boards there showing the NFL line. So I had to go up to the window and say, hey, do you have some? She's like, hey, there should be a sheet over there. There wasn't. She's like, let me print one out. It's got all these instructions <laughs> you have to do. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. But here's the kicker, TJ. She goes, I don't know how to do it either. Let me make a phone call, right? So she was very yes. nice, called and got instructions, kind of filled it out based on what I told her I wanted. She's like, I think this will work. Let me put it in the machine. Yeah, it worked, right? So um, a little strange trying to bet NFL over there. Yeah, so. they're all about the football, the world sport, the soccer. They're all about rugby. They're all about all kinds of things. The American football, not as much. But Scott got to experience it. We're good to have him back here with us on the show. You know Chris Farley. He's with us here every week. Brother Farley, how you feeling here for another Thursday? Ready to go? I'm feeling good. I'm 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 feeling busy. I'm on the uh, Bet US NBA show as well. Happy that the NBA season is back. Kind of nice and comfy for me. It feels like after these six crazy weeks of NFL action, but uh, it's okay. Best time of year, right? What is this called today? It's the um, sports equinox. We got every major sport on today, so we're we're kind of living the dream. Yeah, I think that is the case because uh, the regular equinox is coming up soon, which is equal day and equal night. But, uh, you know, we're not here for the weather, the meteorology, or the calendar. We're here for the football, and we've got a lot to get to. Again, thank you for finding us. More and more of you are finding us. Do us a couple of favors right below us. Hit the like button. Hit the bell. Make sure that you're subscribing. We are live 1 Eastern time on Thursdays. You can obviously see the show, and you will see the show later in the day on Thursday or on Friday. We're still relevant headed into the weekend. But if you want to be here live as it happens, if you want to interact, ask some questions, we see questions coming across the screen they feed them to us from bet us that's live one eastern time on thursdays for the program so with that out of the way i think we are first going to take a look at our records and then get ready for the slate so let's take a look at what we have been up to here so far we're right at the 500 mark you see chris right at the 500 mark scott is just above it I don't know if his pseudo bets over in the UK actually counted or didn't count for the official record. I'm not sure. We need to go to Interpol. Who do we need to bring in? The EU to find out if Scott's bets actually counted for the Bet US show because he made them over in England. Nonetheless, you also see the guests have done well uh, as well, just above 500. So the show doing pretty well on the track record. Are you boys ready? Are you ready to roll the sleeves up? Scott, Chris, you good? Ready. Let's do I have it. no Let's sleeves, do it. but I'll do it anyway. I have no sleeves either. I don't know what we're rolling up. But we are going to New Orleans and Arizona right away, a Thursday night game. This one in the Valley of the Sun where the uh, Cardinals have been struggling as of late. Yet, they remain a two-and-a-half-point favorite. There are quarterback question marks for New Orleans going into this game. Will it be Andy Dalton who's banged up? Will it be Jameis Winston who's been injured and hasn't played the last three games? Will it be more of Taysom Hill, who's kind of the jack-of-all-trades? We don't know about the QB situation. You see the Saints getting two-and-a-half. You see the number at 43-and-a-half. And the guys are both very interested in this game. Brother Farley, go ahead and give me a thought or two to begin the official plays. Yeah, I think the Saints make a fantastic teaser leg here. Uh, so I'm going to tease up the Saints 
along with something else, which I can give out later on the show. You can get them now. And it's at two and a half, so you really have a long teaser here. You can get it up through a few key numbers of three, four, six, and seven, all the way up to eight and a half. So, you know, I'm just more comfortable with that because this is bound to be another weird Thursday night game. I, I do think that we see some more points in this one, especially compared to the previous two Thursday night games. But pretty desperate spot for both teams, right? They're both two and four. Uh, if they're going to get right, if they're going to be competitive in their own divisions, which, I mean, the uh, NFC South isn't isn't as competitive as we thought this year. But uh, if that's going to happen, then it has to happen now. And uh, Kyler Murray is getting DeAndre Hopkins back. And that is a pretty big deal for Cardinals offense that only scored nine points last week. I thought that was a great spot for them to kind of show out, right? Start to flex a little bit, at least in the passing game. Just did not happen, you know, riddled with even more mistakes. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore should still be out in this game, and that's that's a huge thing for the Cardinals offense. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the best wide receivers in football, and now the best cornerback on the Saints is not going to be in this game. So that's a huge thing. But I do think that the Saints can get their run game going. The Cardinals' run defense is actually pretty good, but against really formidable rush offenses like the Eagles, like the Chiefs, those teams saw some success against the Cardinals. I think this could be a Taysom Hill spot, maybe see some power running here with the Saints, uh, you know, just to get their offense going. I, I doubt that Jameis Winston plays tonight. You know, let him rest another short week, and that's probably a smart thing for the Saints. So close game, two desperate teams. I'm just going to tease up the Saints and ride with that. For the love of all that's holy, can we get more than 10 or 12 points from the teams in the Thursday night game? Because remember, it was a 9-9 game into overtime two weeks ago. Last week, we got one touchdown, 12-7 between the Commanders and the Bears. Will we get some more points? Scott Kellen, what are your thoughts? And I know you have an official play as well here on the Thursday Nighter. Yeah, first of all, TJ, I don't know what the hell you want. The overtime game, then a game that comes down to the goal line at the end of the game last week. Very close games, and apparently that's not exciting enough for you. Is it too much to ask to get two (laughs) touchdowns in the Thursday night game? Can we get two tonight, maybe? Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Hey, I'm on the teaser here as well with Chris. And kind of glad he went first because I can add a couple things that kind of play into what he said. He's right. Both these teams are two and four. You do have a lot of injuries with New Orleans. You've got Landry's out. Michael Thomas is out. Lattimore, as Chris mentioned. But let's also not forget Hollywood Brown out. So they're getting Hopkins back, which is great. And that would have been great with Hollywood Brown. But now Hollywood Brown's out. Kind of negates that a little bit. And here's where I think injuries sometimes go a little bit more unnoticed. Justin Pugh, the left guard, out again. Rodney Hudson, the center, who's a very good center, out again. I think they both missed last week. And that showed up last week against a Seattle defense where I think they only average about four and a half yards of play, which is just, uh, you know, uh, dumbfounded that they, they can't do better than that. But both these teams are two and four. But at the line of scrimmage, when I look at ratings, I've got player ratings. And then I've also got what I would kind of call the line of scrimmage ratings, where I can now that we're six games in, Start looking at, for example, their yards per play versus the opponents they're playing. So when I look at that, yards per play averaged uh, on offense versus the opponents they played and yards per play given up on defense versus the opponents they played. So it kind of tells you if they're above or below average. New Orleans is 0.1 yards per play when you combine those two offense and defense. They're 0.1 yards per play above average. The Cardinals are 0.7 yards per play below average. And... We think of Arizona as a passing team, but they're averaging just five yards a pass against teams that have given up 6.2 yards a pass on the season. So they are well below average throwing the ball. The biggest difference for these two teams, 
is New Orleans is minus five in turnover, net turnover ratio, and the Cardinals are plus two. And that's obviously come back to haunt the Saints a little bit. So from that standpoint, I think the Saints are the better team at the line of scrimmage. One other piece just to kind of add to that from the teaser standpoint, since Kingsbury, Kingsbury has gotten uh, to Arizona, first of all, they've lost five straight games as a favorite. Uh, and also, they've been a home favorite now 15 times since he arrived. They're 4-11 against the spread in those games, 6-9 and nine straight up. And they've only won two of those games, those 15 games, by more than seven points, meaning that in 13 of those 15, at least this leg of the teaser would come into play. I just think, yeah, the Saints are hurting a little bit. If they continue to turn the ball over, yeah, maybe we're in trouble here. But short of that, they're better at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. Um, and they'll run the ball a lot. I think they're getting creative again with Taysom Hill. That should add to them a little bit. The Cardinals had like, I don't know, 130 yards rushing or so last week. A hundred of that came from Kyler Murray. Now, if he does that again, obviously, and he's certainly capable of it, but I'll take my chance, take the eight and a half points in the teaser, and uh, I think we got an excellent chance to get the cover. And again, Scott will have more on uh, who the second half of that teaser is. Again, on DeAndre Hopkins, is there an injury concern? I know he's a tremendous athlete, but he's had basically limited training camp, six-game suspension for PEDs. I would be concerned about an injury situation, and you mentioned uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, foot injury at receiver. He is out and maybe out for the rest of the year for Arizona. There's a lot of injuries going into this game. I saw some viewers putting out there that it's out that Jameis Winston apparently isn't going to be the quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be active or not. Remember, Andy Dalton was hurt at the end of the Cincinnati game. So if Winston is not active, then they're basically saying if something happens to Dalton, Chris Farley, I'm coming to you. That means Taysom Hill is the quarterback uh, that they're back in there. If that, it, it, with the injury concern for Dalton, if he can't go the full game uh, tonight, any final thoughts here before we lock it in? Um, it, just that Andy Dalton has played fine. You know, he's done enough. Uh, but I kind of like that situation, even if it happens, right? Taysom Hill is really hard to prepare for, uh, and you know, there's just not as much game film on, on him as a starting quarterback. So I kind of like both of those situations. He certainly hit Seattle with a couple of big passes as well. All right, let's lock both guys in. They both got this game, and they both have it as part of a two-team teaser, so they will tease it up to eight and a half points for Thursday night football in the desert. Somebody gets well. Long about midnight Eastern time, about 9 p.m. in the desert, somebody gets well between the Cardinals and the Saints. We will find out who that is. Let's continue. Game number two, it is the first game up for Sunday. Look at this. The Dallas Cowboys who finally lost a game with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Did we think we were going to say that, especially after he took over for Dak Prescott? He did win four starts in a row, but now a loss to Philadelphia. Now they come home with a Detroit team that is off the bye week. Cowboys laying seven and a half. The number is 49 for this early game. Scott Kellen, I am back to you. What are we doing here? What do we like uh, for this matchup with Dallas back at home where Dak Prescott is trying to practice this week and may be the quarterback? Yeah, and I'm, I'm making an assumption here, TJ, Dak's going to play, and, and hopefully, I know the timing could be an issue, but hopefully uh, he can be somewhat productive here. Uh, I'm going over the team total points for Detroit. I've seen a 28 out there. BetUS doesn't have it up yet. I put 28 and a half just to try to be fair in case that number inches up by the time team totals become more readily available. Uh, but I like it over for a couple reasons. First of all, 
if you don't have team totals, I make the total here about 51 and a half. I think going over the um, the total uh, 49 of the game is an alternate play here. But I like the team total for Dallas here a little bit. I don't think we have to document too much about Detroit's defense and how bad it is. And I do expect, obviously, the Cowboys offense to get much better now uh, with Dak in there. But just a couple things here. Since Dan Campbell came over, Detroit's now 0-10-1 straight up on the road uh, against better-than-average offenses that they've faced on the road. Uh, they've allowed 35, 19, 28, and 51 points. They allowed 28 and 29 points this year against Minnesota and New England, and those teams are basically average offenses, so they're not even really above-average offenses. But the other part of the equation here is really the profile for Dallas against a really bad defense uh, like Detroit. So we go all the way back to 2018, where Dak really started at quarterback uh, full-time for a while, um, and they've been a home favorite against below-average teams. They are 9-0 straight up and against the spread in those games with an average line of 8.9 points, uh, and they've won by an average total of score of 39-15. to 15. So against this bad Lions defense, I just expect the Cowboys to be able to put points on the board. They haven't run the ball fantastic this year, but they should be able to run a little bit here. Um, and just kind of as it, as it relates to the total, the one good thing about Detroit, even though Dallas comes with a lot of pressure, Dallas or Detroit's offensive line has been pretty good in defending uh, uh, pressure from other teams. So uh, from a, just a game total standpoint, I think Detroit could put some points up. But I think the safer bet here is to rely on Dallas to get the points against a really bad defense. I'll go over the team total. All right. Chris Farley, I know you do not have an official play. How much stock do we put in the fact that Detroit has had an extra week here? They got blasted at New England and shut out. Do you put very much stock into that? Because as Chris laid out, they're not very good, especially defensively. Does it matter that they had the extra week here? Well, I think it matters for Dan Campbell and you know how much we can trust him as a coach and maybe how much the Lions players can trust him as a coach. Dan Campbell's a really easy guy to like. You know, we watched him on Hard Knocks this year. Obviously, the players love him. Uh, but just, you know, we're seeing a little bit of inconsistency now. And that was especially alarming when we saw that from their offense after the hot start that they got. Now, of course, they incurred some injuries. And, you know, good news for the Lions, right? DeAndre Smith, uh, Swift should be back in this game. Amon Ron St. Brown is healthy. Um, their center, who's a really good player, should be playing in this game. Frank Ragnow, I believe his name Correct. is. Uh, so, you know, Lions are getting healthy. So this is a pretty good spot for them. I mean, two weeks off, right? I think this game is going to feel a lot like um, their week one game against the Eagles. The Cowboys, to me, are still the superior team. Obviously, elite defensive line. I think the Cowboys' defensive line will win sometimes, but the Lions' offensive line is going to win sometimes, too, because that's a really talented group as well, especially if the Lions can get the run game going. I can see the Lions falling behind early, but then catching back into this game. Uh, seven and a half is, is, is a little much for Dak Prescott coming off the bench, well, not off the bench, but coming off an injury, cold. You know, it, these are these are interesting games because obviously the Cowboys want to get right. They want to get a win after their loss against Philly. But at the same time, they don't want to throw Dak out there, you know, and, you know, potentially get injured again, right? They're probably going to play pretty conservatively on offense, run the ball a lot. That could favor an under, actually. Um, although I do uh, think Scott is right that both offenses could have a lot of success. I just wonder if it's going to be a lot of rushing from both teams. Um, so I, I have a strong lean to the Lions at plus seven and a half. I actually didn't know that BetUS had that at seven and a half. I thought it was at seven. Uh, this is just one of those games where, you know, I would favor the Cowboys at six and a half. 
and I would favor the Lions at plus seven and a half. I think that's what kind of game it is. It's going to be pretty close. Interesting. And again, HPJ, Scott had the numbers. Yep, go ahead. I'll throw one other thing in there. I read this morning. It's not my own work, but I assume the uh, these numbers are correct. Uh, teams with a win percentage of 250 or worse that have lost three straight games, three or more games, uh, and are coming off their bye, which is exactly what Detroit's doing here, 45 and 17 against the spread, 6-0 in the last two years. So uh, a bad team coming off, maybe re-energized. Maybe Dallas takes them lightly, um, and maybe they sneak in with the cover. And the Dak factor. How will he look? Again, I, I relate having watched him in the opening game a year ago uh, in Tampa on the Thursday night where the Bucks had raised the Super Bowl banner, the whole thing. He hadn't played the whole preseason off the horrible ankle injury. He had been hurt in the 2020 season in the middle of the year, and he was electric that night. Now, that night, it was not a hand problem or a thumb problem. This is a hand or a thumb problem. How does he look throwing the ball will be key. And just one more, and I know we want to move on. We've already seen a coach fired, Matt Rule, fired off of uh, their game a couple of weeks ago. This is a this is now a new trend in pro football and in major college football that if it is going bad, teams may not necessarily wait till the end of the year. If Detroit stinks, quick comment, guys, off the bye, is Dan Campbell in real trouble? And maybe soon here where the ownership says this ain't working. And it, it, even off a of bye week, you couldn't get him to respond. Quick comment, guys, is he in trouble if they're awful, Lions? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I, this is not Matt Patricia, right? He's he's got a record very similar to Patricia, but they like him, right? So I think that would be devastating for the locker room. So I don't see that happening. Chris, yeah, and, you know, last year they had a great ATS record. Obviously, coaches don't really care about that, right? They want to win. But the point is, they kept a lot of games close. Uh, not so much this year. Not not so much the case. But you know, you could see maybe a you know defensive coordinator leaving, and maybe some changes um, in their staff. But I think Dan Campbell. Will probably be the last one because I, I you know, just how well liked he is in the organization. Yeah, they've had some turnover, that's for sure, uh, with coaches repeatedly in Detroit. Would it happen again? Okay, let's lock it in again for Scott Kellen officially here. He is on the team total over 28 and a half uh, here in this. Uh, in this situation for Dallas for points, points, points for the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. All right, let's move on. Very interesting. Farley's Giants, they just continue to win. They are now in Jacksonville getting three points. The Jaguars, the uh, team that won a couple of games earlier but now have kind of regressed the way they've looked the last couple of weeks. Our number is 42.5. Can the Giants seriously keep this up at the moment with a 5-1 and one start and right in the thick of things in the NFC East as well as uh, the playoff picture? So far, so good for New York. All right, we don't have an official play, but Chris, I'm coming right back to you. Brian Dable obviously has these guys motivated. Saquon Barkley, very versatile, playing well. What are your thoughts here, Giants, on the road? Are they maybe due for a little correction, a little letdown, possibly here? I do think they are very due for a letdown. I mean, the Giants are getting outgained almost every week, but hey, they, they play hard in the fourth quarter. Uh, Don Wink Martindale, you know, he, he sends those blitzes at quarterbacks and he's not afraid to do it. And it's working, you know, and some egregious mistakes by Lamar Jackson last week. It certainly, it certainly helped us out. I was at that game. Giant Stadium was going nuts. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I must say, you know, if there's anything that's fake news out there in the sports world, we're seeing a lot of like Giants are fifth best team in the league power ratings. 
Jets are number four, number six. Like that's not settle down. <laughs> yeah, settle like, down a little bit yeah, on that, right? Yeah, I think we all need to settle down on that because I mean, it's a, it's almost as if these power rating guys or power ranking guys are just like submitting those things like by the record alone. You know, like what are we doing here? I don't, I, I don't know. But you know, Giants are you know got to give them a lot of credit. Um, you know, I just wrote a piece on uh, coaching at the thirty third team. I think it's really important in a lot of these games. Coach Dayball is going to be a coach that stays with the Giants for a long time. He's going to have them ready for these games. But Doug Peterson is a pretty good coach, too. And now the Jaguars are coming off two pretty pretty bad losses. I mean, last week they were in that game at the very end, but they let Matt Ryan throw all over them. Obviously, some, some injuries on the Jaguars' defense isn't helping with that. Uh, but this is just a much better spot for the Jaguars at home. At the end of the day, the Giants still should not have the talent in my opinion, even to hang with a team like the Jaguars, who are increasingly more talented, you know, especially with some of those young guys on defense, I mean, I think they should be able to hang with them. But in a spot like this where the Jaguars much more desperately need to win, uh, I think I think this is a spot where I would much rather lean Jaguars. Um, you, you know, there's no look-ahead spot for the Jaguars. They stay at home next week. Uh, and uh, the one thing I'll say about the Giants, though, is Wendell Robinson looked pretty darn good, their rookie wide receiver last week. The Giants need weapons in that offense. They really don't have any besides Saquon. So maybe that's a good sign for the Giants moving forward. I just don't think this is the spot, you know, for them to necessarily take advantage. I keep drudging up the bad memory, Scott Kellen. You were there at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the matchup with the Giants and the Packers over in London. How much of a believer are you right now? Because they followed it up by coming back home and beating the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So this is not sisters of the poor. This is not bullying bad teams with those two wins. I think it's a really good lesson, TJ. Uh, If you get the right coaching, you can ultimately win games that maybe you're not supposed to win because – uh, at the line of scrimmage, the Giants aren't doing it. Uh, Chris kind of hit on it. They gave up uh, seven yards of play last week, gained only 3.8 yards of play. I think there was penalties, obviously turnovers, uh, and that's really been the story for the Giants all year. They're last in the league in big pass plays of 20 yards or more. They cannot wow. get the ball down the field, basically. Um, and so, you know, from the line of scrimmage, they're not very good. But somehow, some way, Dayball has them making the right moves at the right time. And they're just winning, right? And there, there is something to be said for that. You know, my player ratings, the yards per play numbers, they both favor Jacksonville here. Um, I would lean towards Jacksonville. I agree with Chris. I think it's a good spot. The one caveat here, just looking back, uh, since Daniel Jones got there uh, in 2019, Giants are 15-9 and nine against the spread as a road dog. When listed as a road dog of six or less, they're 7-0 against the spread. So when they're playing teams that they're a little bit better matched up against, They've been very, very competitive in those games. And Jacksonville is a home favorite, not very good. They're uh, since 2018, they're two and seven straight up against the spread uh, and straight up and against the spread as a home favorite. So they were not thriving this role, but I do think the spot is more ripe for Jacksonville. Uh, and I do show a little bit of value for Jacksonville in this game as well. You see the viewer watching us live here on this Thursday. Marcus saying, how are they 5-1? and one? We're laying out some of it. Some of it is Saquon Barkley as well has been tremendous, whether running it, whether the, whether catching it. He's been kind of uh, a catalyst for the offense that does not have a lot of big play capability. Are they due for a correction, though, here in Jacksonville, uh, a team that lost a revenge game last week, the Jaguars in Indianapolis, after they had embarrassed the Colts early in the year. Now they come back home. Let's see what it looks like Sunday in an early game in North Florida for that matchup with the Giants 
and the Jags. Speaking of the AFC South, let's stay there. Speaking of the Colts, the Colts traveling to Tennessee. How about this? The Colts are already playing another rematch game. This is a rematch with a Tennessee team that beat them in Indianapolis uh, a few weeks ago. So now uh, the Titans at home laying two and a half with the total at 42 and a half. And Scott Kellen, I'm coming right back to you because this is part of of an earlier teaser, and I believe it is part of a future teaser as well. What do you like and why? Yeah, and I kind of hate doing this, TJ, because if it goes down, that means two of our plays are going down. That's never great. But uh, I'm going to take Indianapolis in a teaser, getting the eight and a half. We'll, we'll tease that with the Saints uh, that we mentioned earlier, getting eight and a half. And then we're going to tie those to a separate uh, teaser uh, as well that we'll mention later in the show. But Again, if we come back to a line of scrimmage here, um, you know, again, the, the Colts have had a lot of problems this year. They're turning the ball over. I think they're minus five in net turnover margin. Their defense has actually played okay. This Tennessee team, uh, the week before the bye, and, and as we started, I know a viewer said, hey, did you cash that ticket, ticket in London? And the answer is no, because it was on Washington against Tennessee, where Washington completely dominated that game or on the two-yard line at the end of the game, couldn't, couldn't get it in. But Tennessee has not necessarily looked great the last two weeks that we saw them play. They're coming off a bye uh, this week. But their defense has been horrendous so far this year. And I'm just trying to pull up their numbers here. On defense, they are allowing uh, 6.4 yards of play against a collection of teams that are averaging only 5.5 yards of play. So they are well below average defensively. Uh, and the Colts, you know, they tend to just play close games here. They've had kind of had Tennessee's number They've won eight of the last 10 years here. In the two years they did not win, they were four and a half and seven point dogs. So when they've been installed as a, uh, a, a team that's a little bit more competitive, they basically have won or covered those games. And since Frank Reich got there, they've been a road dog 18 times. They're 12 and six against the spread as a road dog under Reich. Six and oh, the last six as a road dog. Um, and this game just sets up very well from a teaser standpoint. If we look at those 18 games that Tennessee uh, was a road dog, um, and they were a dog of seven or less, which is 14 of those 18 games. They've only lost two of those games by more than uh, eight points. One of them, caveat, was nine points to uh, Indiana or to Tennessee a couple of years ago. But they're staying close in these games when they're a dog. Uh, and then from a Tennessee standpoint, three years ago exactly to this day, Ryan Hill, Tannehill made his first start against the Chargers. They won that game 23 to 20. Um, but they've been a home favorite of four or less points nine times and won just one of those games by more than six points. So Tennessee is not winning games against competitive teams when they're at home uh, by margin. Indy is not losing by margin. I think Indy's a better team at the line of scrimmage. Got some injuries that, you know, we got to, I think Taylor will play uh, with any luck. They get Leonard back. Maybe Quiddy Pay comes back. Um, they get some of those guys back. That will drastically help uh, Indianapolis as well. Tennessee's got a lot of their own injuries. They're getting some of their guys back, but they've got their share of injuries uh, in this game as well. I like the teaser. All right, uh, Chris, I know you do not have an official play. It is interesting, again, Indianapolis with a second rematch in the first seven games of the season in the division. I just looked at this to make sure we're going to talk about the Bengals in a little bit. The Bengals play two division games, and they, they are in week seven, again, not playing a division game here, whereas these AFC South teams, the the 
Colts in particular, will have played four division games in the first seven weeks, including a rematch. Chris, I guess no official play. How much stock do you put in Tennessee roughing this indie team up a few weeks ago, beating them badly back like three weeks ago? Does that mean much here in the rematch with Tennessee at home? I'll say this. I think it would mean more if the Colts just didn't have another revenge game against the Jaguars, right? And that was a big win for the Colts because, you know, they want to get over 500, right? They're at home, uh, shut out to the Jaguars. So they got things right there. The Jaguars are pretty close in that game, actually, even though Matt Ryan had such a stellar performance. And that's what scares me a little bit about the Colts, right? Like, that was the best version we've seen of Matt Ryan all year. Obviously, they're still without Jonathan Taylor. But even with all, all that he did in that game, distributing the ball, Michael Pittman had a great game in that. Um, at the same time, it was it was a one-score game, right? It was within margin. And I think some of these contests between divisional games, especially when you have a coach like Mike Vrabel, who you know is kind of a lot like Brian Dayball. You know, he's he's a good motivator, he's a good teacher. Um, he is four and zero after a bye against the spread, uh, and with extended rest or or after a bye, he's he's eight and zero straight up, I believe. I mean, I just pulled up that stat, so I should verify that before I say that. But right. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that he's pretty darn successful. So you know, it's just one of those coaches where. He can get players or, or teams that maybe aren't as talented to play at a higher level. And we see that week to week from this Mike Rabel coach teams. Um, and, you know, to Scott's point, some of these players on the on the Titans are coming back too. Bud Dupree should be back. Uh, okay. Jeffrey Simmons is healthy. And they have a formidable pass rush attack. And if you get to Matt Ryan, obviously, you know, that's how to slow down the Colts. Um, so this is a tough one. It's lined where it is for a reason. You got to give the Tennessee some credit at home, especially the way that they handled the Colts in that first game. And, and I'll say this, uh, cautionary note to anybody looking for, or, you know, to play a total on this game. I still don't forget the last game between these two teams a few weeks ago, total was 42 and a half. I had the over, they scored 41 points halfway through the third quarter. And not one point after that. Wow. I'm still, I'm still mad about it. But that's kind of how these rivalry games are, right? They just go back and forth. Things could really, you know, the defenses start to stifle each other at the end. I, I would rather trust Mike Vrabel and a well-prepped Titans team after that emotional win that the Colts got last week. Okay, no official play there from Chris. We will lock in Scott Kellen on the official play. And it is the second half of a teaser where he is going to tease it up to eight and a half points on this one in the AFC South. Will Derrick Henry have another big game? He had over 100 yards in the first meeting between these two teams. Hey, TJ, just, yes, just, sir, just, one other, just one other point on that uh, to kind of add to what Chris was saying. I agree 100%. Vrabel's been great, and he's been great off a of bye. I think the one, and this kind of plays into the teaser, getting more points. The one thing I think Vrabel does a lot of times, he does play the game pretty conservative, and sometimes – where some teams might win a game by extended margin. Vrabel makes decisions, you know, to punt when they're on the 42-yard line and fourth down and stuff and let his defense do the work. And that can keep the game closer, which kind of maybe plays into some of the things I mentioned. So, uh, and, and it's another reason I feel much better about it from a teaser standpoint than just trying to grab the two and a half. Fair enough. That's why he's paired it with another one. We'll see how it works out for Scott. Let's move on. As I mentioned, the Bengals uh, not playing a division game. They're playing more NFC South games than they are AFC North games. They will host the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons off of a nice win 
over the San Francisco 49ers. And when you look at it, they have been in every game, win or lose. They have been in every game this year. So they seem to be improved under Arthur Smith. Marcus Mariota coming around at quarterback can run it. Ran one in last week. Mariota, the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, guys. The Falcons getting six and a half on the BetUS line. The total is 47. There is no official play. Scott Kellen, I'm coming right back to you here. I know uh, you're not going on this officially, but the, the Falcons seem to be a team to pay attention to right now with how competitive they've been. A thought, if no official play. Well, they're 6-0 and against the spread, so uh, in the betting world, yeah, we, we might want to pay attention to them, right? Um, you know, my player ratings, uh, which are probably a little, maybe too heavily favored or Cincinnati, favor Cincinnati. But when we look at that line of scrimmage, these two teams from the line of scrimmage uh, versus the opponents they played, they're about even. Uh, you know, Atlanta has been, you know, impressive and maybe Cincinnati's underperformed, however you want to call it. Um, 6-0 against the spread since Smith got there last year. 6-3-1 against the spread as a road dog. Um, they've already covered twice as 10-point dogs this year. Now, uh, you know, they kind of backdoored into both of those, but hey, they don't they don't give up. They don't quit. Uh, obviously, that was against Tampa and the Rams. But here's the thing. I think I pointed this out a few weeks ago when they were going to Seattle. When installing, this is going back to the beginning of last year when Arthur Smith got there. When installed as a dog of uh, seven and a half or more points, they're two, three and one against the spread. Installed as a dog of seven or less, they're four and oh against the spread and they're four and oh straight up. So when they're playing teams that are a little bit more competitive, they're just outright winning these games. And obviously when they get matched up against a team that's far superior to them, it's a little bit of a, a crapshoot. So, uh, and I will add this, I've talked about this situation before. Um, we've got two teams that are 500 or worse uh, when we're getting three or more points and the total is at least 44 points, or I should say more than 44 points. These road teams do extremely well. They're 4-0 this year and they're 230 wins, 147 losses and 11 ties. Uh, when you get in this situation. So two basically average to below average teams, the team getting the points and what's deemed to be a little bit higher scoring game, these teams do typically team to tend to uh, perform as well. Chris Farley, I'm getting the plug in for Three Dog Thursday that you've been part of in the past. I loved Atlanta. I love that stat of 6-0 ATS this year. There you see it, Three Dog Thursday on the screen. You can check that out. So I love the Falcons. Again, I know you have no official play, but then again, Cincinnati showed firepower. Uh, Joe Burrow came into the Superdome with the swag going. He had the Jamar Chase LSU number one jersey on because they had won the national title over Clemson in the Superdome. He came in with the swag with the Jamar Chase jersey. Then he found Jamar Chase in the Bengals jersey down the field late in the game. Any thoughts if no official play on Bengals-Falcons? Yeah, last week I you know, declared across, across everything that I was on that the Bengals were my player of the year, so thank God that covered. Uh, or else that would have been pretty embarrassing because it, I mean, it almost felt like that was a fluky cover at the end too, right? Jamar Chase has to take off or else it's probably a game-winning field goal and then they don't cover in that one. But similar to what we saw against the Colts when they had that fluky win, uh, I believe it was against the Broncos. Uh, God, that was another terrible Thursday night game. Right. Um, you know, even if it's a fluky win, right, you get a win, right? And it kind of sets a tone like, hey, we eat that one out. Now maybe we can start to turn things on it and, you know, really get back to the ways that we know we can play. I low-key really like this spot for the Bengals. I'm, I'm considering it as a circuit play. I knew, TJ and Scott, that you would both offer points that are going to make me rethink that, so you certainly have. Uh, at the same time, you know, what concerns me about the Falcons in this is, first of all, I, you know, I know a lot of us love trends. You know, trends are great. Trends like the Falcons one, 6-0 against the spread, are, are eventually going to die. You know, they're, they're eventually going to trail off. We're going to see some losses 
the Falcons are doing this every week, and I give them a lot of credit, but it's really concerning how little they can get to the quarterback. They, they have the lowest sack percentage in the NFL. It's basically Grady Jarrett and you know nobody else that can get to the quarterback. And obviously, you give Joe Burrow time back there in the pocket. T. Higgins, I think he was on 48% of snaps last week. Now he's warmed up a little bit. He should play in this one against the Falcons. Now you got a three-headed monster going up against the Falcons at home. Uh, you know, the Bengals defense, again, has been holding the Bengals afloat in some of these contests. But eventually, I think we have to have to see some negative regression from the Falcons. So I would actually strongly lean to Cincy, uh, even more so because the Falcons are probably really starting to become a public team, right? I mean, as, as betting gets more and more popular, everybody knows that they're 6-0 against the spread, and this line has not moved. It is staying at 6. Usually that's a weird line, kind of teases the dog to me. But I think this could be a show-out spot for the Bengals going back to Cincinnati. Hey, Chris, if it, if it yep. makes you feel any better, my player ratings strongly, strongly support Cincinnati in this game. Very, very well, strong. And they're back home, too. But again, Atlanta went to L.A. They were behind. They came roaring back in the fourth quarter, had the ball with a chance to win the game when Mariota threw an interception in the final minute in the end zone. They went to Seattle right after that and won the game. They came to Tampa and were behind and came roaring back for what it's worth. Now, to the point, as Chris is saying, this may be the game where they get rolled where you get behind and you stay behind. And uh, Cincinnati certainly has the firepower to do that. But Atlanta has stayed in games, even with nondescript running backs. No Cordero Patterson on the injured list. They've got Algier, uh, the former Tulane running back, uh, running the ball. And a couple of other guys you've not heard of running the ball. They've had some success. Mariota running it too. We'll see what happens for Atlanta in Cincinnati with the Bengals. Let's stay with the AFC North, shall we? The next one up is the Baltimore Ravens. They are smarting off of a loss to the Giants last week. The Cleveland Browns, I think it's fair to say, are now reeling. We know uh, Baker Mayfield long gone traded. We know Deshaun Watson suspended for most of the year. And the Browns have really begun uh, to struggle at this point. New England, I was all over it last week. Again, I'm plugging Three Dog Thursday. New England was all over them last week. So now Cleveland has to go to Baltimore off of being beaten badly by New England at home. They get six and a half. The line is 45 and a half in this one. And Chris Farley, we're coming right back to you for an official play on this one in Baltimore. Yeah, I really like the Browns to cover in this one. Now, of course, I wish I was getting the seven. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure the Ravens deserve to be seven point favorites against anybody right now. So I agree with the line movement. And it's you know suggestive, if nothing else, that the Browns can keep this close. I mean, look, uh, Cleveland is coming off that embarrassing performance where they a 23-point loss at home to the Patriots. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure what they were doing in that game because they were they elected not to run the ball. Like, I know you're trying to trick Bill Belichick, but, you know, first of all, good luck with that. Uh, second of all, 18 attempts, you know, 18 attempts against the Patriots with their two-headed monster at running back. Uh, that's just not going to do it. You know, Jacoby Brissett, again, made a really bad in, uh, throw at the beginning of that game that kind of flipped the script because they were going right down the field on the Patriots which, you know, you got to figure that would have changed uh, the whole game script, right, if, the, if, if they actually score on that drive. Uh, meanwhile, the Ravens, they're still not that good against the run on defense anyway. They came into the Giants game as one of the worst defenses against the run. But, of course, they knew that the Giants are, you know, kind of a one-trick pony, right, so they really limited the Giants in that game. So some of their stats have improved since. But now the Browns, who can obviously run the ball, are probably going to get back to basics, you would hope, and use. Kareem Hunt, 
um, and and uh, Nick Chubb, you know, to get back to basics. I like this game for the Browns. You know, Jacoby Brissett, eventually, two straight weeks where he's made some really bad mistakes. They have to play, you know, he has to make better decisions. He has to learn from those things, you would think. J.K. Dobbins is still a little banged up. And, and on the other end, the Ravens don't really have, like, to me, it doesn't seem like they have a sound offensive formula. It's a lot of Lamar Jackson, obviously, scrambling around. The rush yards also look good because of Lamar Jackson, but they don't really have a sound running game from their running backs. Uh, so, you know, on the other hand, obviously, the Browns' defense has been terrible, one of the worst in the NFL DVOA, especially against the pass. But is Lamar Jackson going to be able to expose that at home? I don't know. I still don't trust him in some of these spots, especially in a divisional game. These games have been close. Ravens are still going to be without Marcus Williams, obviously, on IR. And I think he's one of the better deep ball uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. So maybe Jacoby Brissett, this is a good spot for him to get right as well. I like the Browns to keep this close at least. So I'm on them plus six and a half. All right, Scott Kellen, I know you have no official play here. Chris has belief that the Browns will be better on the road than what they were at home. They also fumbled. Special teams have been a problem for them. They fumbled on the punt in the fourth quarter, which basically let New England put the game away. Let us not forget in the Jets' comeback loss, they gave up an onside kick and didn't get on the ball. So the hidden special teams, the third fast of the game, has eluded the Browns some as well. Any thoughts if no official play on Cleveland at the Ravens? Clearly, uh, Chris does not respect the uh, move to pick up Deshaun Jackson in this uh, for uh, Baltimore in this game. So I'm just kidding. I, who knows if he'll even play? Uh, but uh, no, not a whole lot here. I mean, obviously, Cleveland's defense has been poor. They do get, you know, they I think Deion Jones, who they picked up in a trade from Atlanta, uh, might possibly play this week, and maybe that starts to make a, a little bit of a difference. Cleveland has struggled getting pressure. Clowney's been out forever. I don't know if he's going to play this week. Garrett's been banged up. I think Garrett will play again. Um, but I, I have no opinion on the game. I make the line pretty much where it's at. And it, it really just, to me, it just kind of comes down to, can Cleveland improve their defense a little bit? If they can, I think they're going to be in the game. Uh, I know one of the viewers, Thomas, said Brissett's horrible. Yeah, he's probably going to be horrible if they get down by 17 points and they need him to throw the ball. Uh, that probably isn't going to work. You know, even though Baltimore's kind of given that up. But I think it just comes down to, can Cleveland improve their defense? If so, they got a chance to be in this game and get the cover. All right. So uh, it is interesting. Miles Garrett did not practice yesterday with the problems uh, with the wrist and the shoulder. Uh, don't know if he's practicing today or not. The former number one pick, the big pass rusher. We'll see for this matchup. Chris Farley, though, nonetheless, undaunted, says, I like Cleveland to bounce back and at least hang in. He will take the six and a half points with the Browns on the road at Baltimore. Again, thank you for finding us. If you're watching us live, we continue to do well with the live audience growing, guys. I'm seeing that and a lot of conversation back and forth in the live chat. Send us some comments. Our friends at BetUS, Antonio and company are all over it, feeding us some of those live comments. You're seeing those on the bottom of the screen. If you've joined us in progress here, hit the like button, hit the bell. We're here live at 1 Eastern time on Thursdays going over every NFL game. Even if there's not an official play, we go over every game with comments from the handicappers Chris and Scott doing a great job uh, with that so with that said let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers oh boy all right so I'm part of the Buccaneer radio broadcast I do not have an explanation even days later guys what was that against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week it was not good offense that's for sure yet yet look at that number laying 11 points against a Carolina team that is in flux 
Uh, they will go to P.J. Uh, Walker at quarterback now because of the injuries to Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold is actually designated to return from IR. They could bring him off of IR to be the backup quarterback. Carolina has already traded Robbie Anderson after the blow-up on the sideline last week. Is Christian McCaffrey on the trading block? The total is 40-and-a-half. The Buccaneers, as well, we don't have an official play here, but Scott Kellen, I'm coming to you. The Buccaneers uh, have had a high-powered offense the last couple of years. Buccaneers don't have a touchdown in the first quarter. Six games in, haven't scored a touchdown in the first quarter. Is this the week where they maybe finally get on track against a Carolina team that has struggled to stop anybody? I know you don't have an official play, Scott, but what is a thought here with the Bucs, a very large favorite? Yeah, man, the the, the Bucs are perplexing. Um, and what maybe they've scored more than 21 points once, I think, or, or something to that effect. Uh, I mean, what happened in Pittsburgh last week, that kind of shocked me. They have, now again, these last two years with Brady, they've obviously been a much better offensive team uh, than they are this year, but they've taken care of business as six and 11-point favorites at Carolina in the last two years. They've won by 23, 26. Interesting enough, Brady, three and five against the spread as a road favorite of seven or more. So uh, when they're laying a whole bunch of uh, uh, points on the road, they're not necessarily covering the large number. But, man, Carolina, first of all, Carolina's got a lot of injuries in the secondary. They went into last week's game with some guys questionable that played. J.C. Horn was out. I think he's going to play. But some other guys got banged up in that game. If they can't play, that could be troublesome. And if P.J. Walker starting at quarterback again, they I was just trying to find the numbers here. First of all, they didn't score a touchdown last week uh, simply because they, they had a, a pick six. For that was the only reason they got a touchdown. But they uh, – I was just trying to find it here. They – they average 4.8 yards a pass, I believe. And if you take out the little screen yard, 49-yard pass to Christian McCaffrey near the end of the game, they average 3.2 yards a pass. So I just don't see against this Bucks defense. Uh, I mean, the Bucks defense has been pretty constant here. So Tampa could score 20 points in this game and cover the number. Uh, I just don't see anything happening with P.J. Walker. So I make the number about 12, 12 and a half. So actually slight value to Tampa Bay in this game. I didn't play it. Uh, but I would lean Tampa Bay's way if I did anything in this game. Chris Farley, I know you do not have an, uh, an official play here either. Are the Buccaneers, I mean, in and around Tampa Bay, where I am in West Central Florida, all the talk is, can the offense get going? And as Chris, uh, as uh, Scott laid out, injuries for the Carolina secondary, if it does not get going against this team, it, it is a real problem that's going to get discussed nationally and everywhere, that it's more about the guys in the pewter and red that can't figure it out, especially against bad secondaries. Uh, Chris, I know you don't have an official play. Any quick thought here? Few thoughts. I'm concerned about Tom Brady. I don't. I don't think Tom Brady cares that I'm concerned about him. But what I mean is, sometimes he just doesn't look like he's enjoying himself to the same level. Now, I guess when you're losing, that's what happens. But hey, come on. I mean, at 45, maybe there's a chance that Tom Brady is a little fallible here. Maybe he's not as invested. I don't know. But then you look at some of the stats, and like, you know, the passing stats are good, right? I mean, they. I mean, they throw the ball a lot. Still, they throw for a good amount of yards. It's the rushing game, 3.1 yards per rush. That is last place in the NFL. They have to get that going a little bit. And they're not converting, right? Like last week, they had the ball near the red zone, couldn't get it in the red zone, had the ball in the red zone, couldn't convert it into a touchdown, one field goal after another. Again, is this a great setup for the Bucs? Sure. But it's also their second straight road game. It's a divisional game. Uh, and everybody wants to play well against Tom Brady, right? Everybody wants to play well against the Bucs who won the Super Bowl two years ago. So I, I just don't want to touch this game. I don't know if this line is right. I, I don't think the Bucs deserve 11 points with the way that they're playing now. 
And what are we seeing every single week? We're seeing underdogs cover these lines, uh, away underdogs even more so, 59%. So it's just one of those things where right now, I'm not ready to pull the trigger on these huge favorites, especially a Bucks team that's not showing me a lot. Well, again, it was a nine and a half line in Pittsburgh last week, and they were the more physical team up front. Buccaneers couldn't run the ball as the game went on. It was surprising. Tampa Bay didn't try to test him downfield. There are questions about whether Brady's shoulder is bothering him after he took a big hit in the Sunday night game with Kansas City. Will they try to test Carolina's secondary with some downfield throws to Mike Evans, etc.? We shall see. No official play from the guys here on Buccaneers Carolina. Anything else? Uh, just one thing. I think I think it was Raven Ron said, "Hey, interception prop on uh, PJ Walker." I have no idea what the number is. Just um, you know, Tampa Bay has gotten a fair amount of interceptions this year, and PJ Walker came into last week, I think, with a career interception rate of like six point three percent. Did not throw a pick, so he's down to like five point six percent. Still very high, uh, and that'll probably regress down to maybe four percent. But even a four percent interception rate would be extremely high. So I don't know what the price is, but uh, certainly. Uh, P.J. Walker is uh, ripe for interceptions based on what he's done so far in the league. And that was another surprising thing last week for the Buccaneers, Chris, before you follow up with your point. They couldn't force Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky to turn it over. They they played a clean game. They've got to get back to that, and maybe they will against Carolina. Final thought? Yeah, real quick, I was just going to say to Scott's point, the Bucs are fifth in the NFL, plus 0.5 turnover margin per game. So even with that, there's, you know, they're yeah. still not covering these games, right? So it's like, I mean, that's even more concerning for me. If yeah. yeah, they didn't get one last week. They did get a couple in the Atlanta game. Let's see. Let's see if it turns around for Tampa Bay in Carolina. We roll on here as you get the breakdown of every game on the BetUS show. Uh, let's continue here, and this is the Green Bay Packers. Scott was talking about being in London. They struggled there. They come back home with the Jets, and Aaron Rodgers' thumb is not great. Their defense was not great, and the Jets put it on them at Lambeau. All right, can they get well against the Commanders? Uh, Washington will go with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Carson Wentz, a broken finger coming off the Thursday game with the Bears. Heineke has been a good starter, not great, a good starter here and there for Washington. The line is four and a half. Green Bay favored on the road by four and a half. The total is 41 and a half. We don't have an official play. Chris Farley, I'm going to come right back to you. Backup quarterback for Washington, banged up quarterback for Green Bay. Any thoughts here? Well, first of all, <laughs> I mean, I hate this game because, uh, again, it's another example of let's see the Packers get right. I mean, let's see a team on paper, especially on defense, that should be top five and is does not seem like they're even close to that right now. Um, now, this used to be a five or five and a half. I've been tracking those lines. It's a moot point now, but these, these five to five and a half point lines uh, the dog is covering nine and one ATS. So just, you know, just something to keep on watching now that it's down to four and a half. Uh, it, it still doesn't make me, you know, want to take the Packers anymore. It doesn't make me want to take Washington anymore and Washington, right. They need some stimulant on their offense. I mean, 17 points per game, 4.8 yards per play. Some of the worst marks in the NFL, uh, you know, correspondingly, they have some of the cheapest tickets in the NFL this weekend. So, you know, that all kind of makes sense. There's some controversy going on, obviously, with Dan Snyder. He's just like I hadn't heard. Off. Is Snyder in the news again? I hadn't heard. He's in the I news heard. again. I mean, and now some of the other owners are, you know, uh, it, it's you say to yourself, do you take these things into consideration for the whole team performance? I don't know, because I don't think that that, you know, the, the like owners have an effect. But uh, I will say Taylor Heineke 
I do think could be a nice spark for this Washington Commanders offense that is on paper very talented. They have a three-headed monster at running back, right? Robinson is back, J.D. McKissick, and then you got um, – I forget the guy's name. Uh, oh, Gibson. Gibson. Gibson, yeah. yeah. Yes, Gibson. Antonio yeah, Gibson, so my Memphis Tiger, yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they should succeed more on offense, but I, I don't know. I tend to think that's a Carson Wentz thing because Carson Wentz has so much obvious talent that they put the ball in his hands a lot, and he's not he's just not able to convert in a lot of those situations, whereas Taylor Heineke, you know, he has that blue-collar mentality, mentality. He can run. I believe he ran for over 80 yards against the Packers last season. Uh, but then again, right, Packers had a players-only meeting this week, whatever that means to you. But this could be that spot, finally, where we see the Packers play up to their full potential. So we all just keep on waiting for this to happen. I have no play on this game because, as you can right. tell, a lot of competing narratives. No doubt. Scott, a quick thought here on Green Bay, uh, a, a team that we're still trying to figure out what happened in that Jets game beyond just Rodgers' thumb. And, again, Heineke may be the spark. I saw him at field level a year ago, and they upset the Buccaneers as a double-digit underdog, and a lot of it was him making plays with his feet and throws on the run and taking off and running. Maybe he is that spark. Scott, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, being a being a Packer fan, I one of the viewers said he's lost in the Packers the last two weeks. Uh, I'm right with you there, uh, and uh, and and in teasers last, last week. Um, you know, the Packers just looking at these numbers are averaging 5.4 yards of play against teams giving up 5.4. That speaks average. Basically, the same thing on defense. The one thing that's very different for them this year is they are now uh, minus four in net turnover ratio. This is a team that's usually like plus ten at the end of the year in turnover ratio. ratio. So Rodgers has turned it over a little bit more. They're just turning the ball over more. That doesn't help when you're not well above average. Uh, and then the one thing that was just very, very concerning last week, they've got both Bakhtiari and Jenkins back. They both came back from ACLs. Bakhtiari's two years ago, Jenkins last year in November, so he came back pretty quick. That offensive line was run over, especially in the middle of the line. And if, if they can't improve upon that, um, you know, they're going to be in, in trouble. And the one hope for here is that the Packers are still somehow, some way in the top 10 and generating big pass plays. Washington gives them up. So maybe maybe they can get some uh, big plays down the, down the field. And to your point, though, you know, when you've got Carson Wentz back there, he's kind of mobile, not really mobile. He can't, you, you know exactly where that quarterback's going to be. If they start moving Heineke around and can just keep drives alive, you know, that potentially can keep things alive for Washington. Just, just the last point on this here, since Rivera got there, Washington's 10-3 and three to the under as a home dog. They've scored uh, 20 or more points in only five of those 13 games. I do make the total here, uh, what did I make it, 38-and-a-half basically, so a little bit of value to the under. It's not enough value for me given where the total is, um, but this could be a lower-scoring game. Um, I don't know if Dotson's going to play this week at receiver. They missed him last week. They'll probably get some people back uh, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They were missing the quarterback Jackson last week, which could help Washington as well. They got dominated by the Bears last week. I had I had Washington. Felt like I was lucky to win that game. But maybe the Packers defense can do enough and keep this game a lower-scoring game. I would probably look under before I would look to, to the Packers because, to Chris's point, until I see improvement, it's the same old, same old week after week. 
Mm. And they gave up a block punt that was huge, too, to the Jets last week in special teams. Let's see if they snap out of it, or does Washington maybe again get sparked here at home? And then that's why it's a long season, because when Green Bay beat the Buccaneers uh, and and we're headed off to London, et cetera, everybody's thinking, okay, this is one of the elite teams in the NFC. Now a couple weeks later with Rodgers' thumb bothering him, they've lost a couple of games, and if they don't do well in Washington, welcome to the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately NFL. If uh, if that's the case. All right. So no official play from the handicappers on this one. Green Bay at the Washington Commanders. Let's continue here. Speaking of the Jets, the team that pulled the upset in Green Bay, they go now to Denver. And look at this. The line has actually moved a couple of times down where this game is a pick'em game. You were getting a couple of points earlier, I believe, in the week on the Jets. Russell Wilson still an injury concern. Short week here. Uh, for Denver off of the Monday night game. The total is 38 in this one. And in this case, we are going to have an official play. It belongs to Chris Farley. It's the back half of a teaser. What do you like, my friend? Yep, second part of my teaser is going to be on the New York football Jets. Um, and I think you could get that. What uh, I think I'm getting that at seven now with a six-point teaser um, along with the Saints. Look, uh, these Jets, I don't know if they're a legitimately good team necessarily. But I don't want to step in front of this team right now and the way that their defense is playing. They believe in themselves. We're finally seeing Robert Sala make a difference. You know, the metrics that I always look at for a defense are uh, yards per play, right? So they're top 10 versus uh, opponent uh, yards per rush. They're, they're top 10 in opponent yards per pass. Uh, they're making big plays, and they're going up against Russell Wilson, who – you know, what did he say? That he has like Viking blood or something? I don't, I don't know about all that. Um, Is that what he said? You know, uh, Brett, Brett Ripien has been practicing for most of this week, and this is already a Broncos offense that is not obviously not moving the ball, not amounting to much. The Jets have to be able to keep this close if they won, you know, the past few weeks against much better teams, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm going to tease the Jets up to seven and take that along with the Saints tonight. All right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Scott Kellen, any thought here as he got the back half of his teaser in on this one? Again, Denver's the same thing. They play close games. They don't score a lot. And the Jets now back-to-back on the road. Real quick. Uh, I did play the teaser uh, earlier in the week over seven and a half. Over seven, got seven and a half. So if you can get that, I, I still would support that. Um yeah, Denver's not winning by distance at all here. Um, and Denver last week, by the way, they outgained the Chargers by 1.1 yards per play in that game. They just can't score. Um, and they did beat the Jets here 26 nothing last year. I would have went under in this game if the total would have been 39.5 or higher possibly, but that thing has just been bet down. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for Denver uh, to escape by margin in this game. Uh, but I do worry about the Jets a little bit because their offense is well below average, even though they've been winning some of these games. And that Denver defense, uh, it's kind of been lost in all this, but that Denver defense is playing lights out right now. But, um, you know, I did play this teaser when I could get it over seven uh, earlier in the week. And so uh, I'm with Chris on that part of it, if I, if you can get that. Reese Hall has been excellent for the Jets. Again, no back-to-back road situation at altitude here. Will Russell Wilson play? We'll find out. Nonetheless, Chris Farley says, lock me in on the second part of his teaser, teasing up the Jets here to a plus six, even though it's pick them on the BetUS line. Tease it up to plus six. Take it and go. We need to get rolling. Again, keep your comments coming in the live chat on this Thursday afternoon. Up next, a team off the bye week, the Houston Texans playing at Las Vegas against the Raiders. The Raiders laying seven and a half in this one with a total 45 and a half. 
All right, there's a lot of different uh, avenues that we could probably travel on this one. Uh, needless to say, when last we saw the Raiders, they scored a bunch, probably shoulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda, won the game in Kansas City. We have no official play here. Scott Kellen, I'm going to come right back to you for a thought on Las Vegas at home with a Texans team that's been pretty competitive under Lovey Smith. They don't score a bunch, but they've hung in games. A thought from you, Scott. Yeah, no play for me here. If this total would tick back down, I got bet up earlier in the week and I missed it. Uh, if it would go back down to 44 and a half or less, I would probably play the over in this game. Both these teams, Houston's sixth best in the league, Vegas 11th best in the league in big pass plays generated. And both teams are bottom four in the league in giving up big pass plays, which can obviously lead to points here. Um, so I just need a little bit better number to play the over. And I'd also want to confirm that Darren Waller is going to play. He missed practice yesterday. So hopefully yeah, he can go as well. The other point here, just from a side standpoint, my numbers kind of support the Raiders in this game. But since Derek Carr came to the Raiders, 1-7 against the spread as a home favorite of four or more points. They've only won one of those games by more than seven points. So they do not win games by margin. They might get Anthony, Anthony Everett back. They did lose Nate Hobbs. Uh, he's on the IRR, uh, one of their key secondary guys. Anthony Everett is due to come back now off injured reserve. Maybe some help there in the secondary. Otherwise, their secondary is in a little bit of trouble, which would help support the over as well. No play, lean to the over, and I would be very careful laying points with the Raiders just based on their history. Damian Pierce can run the ball for the Texans. Chris Farley, any quick thoughts here if no official play on this one in Las Vegas? Yeah, strong lean to the Texans here. For whatever reason, the Raiders haven't won after a bye since 2016. Uh, they absolutely keep these games close, and I agree uh, with Scott Callen's assertion there. Uh, both of these teams, uh, including the Texans, should be able to get their pass games going a little bit. We still haven't seen uh, a big Davis Mills game, and I know that's not something we could expect probably a lot this year, but he does have some of those games. It's in a dome. It kind of sets up really well for that. I would I would go with you know a Lovey Smith coach team who, is he the best coach in the NFL? No, but he's, again, another good motivator coming off of a bye as well. Um, I, I, I could never look at the Raiders minus seven in this one. I just can't do it. You see Thomas there on the screen in our live chat saying, stay away. You don't just have to bet games just to bet games. If you don't really have an angle here on this, uh, again, the Raiders feel like they could have had a couple of wins, including that Kansas City win, but Mahomes got to them at Arrowhead when last we saw them a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Football. So no official play here on Texans against the Raiders. Let's roll on down the home stretch. We've got an interesting one in San Francisco. The Chiefs and the 49ers both off losses. Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago, and look at that. Jimmy G is back in there as the quarterback, as he was in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. So the 49ers actually getting three at home here. The total is 48 and a half. Uh, all right, Chris Farley, we're right back to you because you have an official play here on the show. What do you like? Yeah, obviously, a pretty bold move here going up against a Kansas City team who, you know, they should be considered a Super Bowl contender once again. But I'm glad you mentioned that, TJ. The 49ers have not forgotten about that Super Bowl loss. Uh, and if we remember back in the season, week two, San Francisco looks awfully sleepy against the Denver Broncos. They lose by one point. We're like, who is this team? You know, who is the San Francisco team? They go right back at home the next week against the Rams, and they were absolutely dominant in that game, especially on defense. I think that's the version we see of the San Francisco 49ers this week. Another sleepy performance last week against the Falcons. If you watch that game, and I did watch it back in full, they just it's like they weren't completely there. 
you know, and of course they had a lot of injuries on defense in that game. So that certainly contributed to it. A lot of those guys coming back, uh, Nick Bosa should play in this one. A lot of the cornerbacks and safeties that were banged up should play. Trent Williams is probably going to play in this one as well. A big addition for their offensive line. It just sets up really well for the 49ers. They do have the Rams next week on the road. So to your point again, TJ, a lot of these divisional matchups coming real early for some of these teams. Uh, but the Chiefs, God, I mean, they you know, they already faced the Bucs. They just faced the Bills. Now they got to go to San Francisco. Tough schedule for the Chiefs. I go with the San Francisco 49ers at home plus three. Interesting. Again, uh, Mahomes uh, was good for a lot of that Buffalo game, but unfortunately we've seen this at times. He throws interceptions, especially in the second half, and at a critical time had the interception in the final minute against the Bills. But maybe that's more about the Bills being really good. Scott Kellen, any thoughts here? I know you don't have an official play on this one. Somebody, we, we say this again, somebody gets well here in this game and will be feeling better long about 7.30 Eastern time, 4.30 Pacific time between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Scott, any quick thoughts? Uh, I, I, to Chris's point, I think the Niners are going to get a whole lot of these guys back, Trent Williams and a whole bunch of guys in defense. And I'm kind of building that into my numbers just to make that assumption. Uh, Garoppolo has only been a home dog twice. Ironically, it was against the Rams both times, and they won both games outright. Uh, a very small sample size doesn't mean a lot, but they've, they've come to play. I think the, you know, the, the one telling factor here, um, the 49ers, I, they're not really necessarily deemed maybe as a great throwing team. But they're averaging 6.9 yards a pass against teams that give up 6.2. So when they do choose to pass in this little play-action misdirection scheme of theirs, uh, they've actually been very efficient this year. And the one thing to point out from a home standpoint, they've been a road favorite a ton. They've had a lot of success with road favorites. But when they've gone up against above-average defenses, Mahomes is just 5-6-1 and one against the spread. So uh, they're not necessarily a covering machine when they're facing a very tough defense that can get in his face. And no play for me. My player rating slightly... Uh, favor Kansas City. The yards per play, though, rankings actually uh, favor uh, the 49ers. Makes it a no play for me. Uh, Mark had a quick question there about the total, Scott Kellen. Uh, just any quick thought on the total on the Chiefs, maybe, on the over? Uh, I'm not going to give you a great answer here, Mark, because my player ratings would suggest a slight lean to the over, and the yards per play numbers uh, actually favor the under. So <laughs> it's it, it goes both ways, which sometimes the best plays you can make, the plays you don't make. And That's uh, exactly you know, right. That's that's yeah, why that, there's that's an why X. I'm, that's why yeah. there's an X on his sheet on this one, on don't play that uh, for there. Uh, the official play will go to Chris Farley, though, on this one. He does like San Francisco to bounce back. Again, they were good on the road at Carolina, stayed out on the East Coast, and played Atlanta. Were not as good, especially in the second half. He believes they'll come back home and get it done here. Three games to go. We thank you for finding us. We're here live Thursdays, 1 Eastern time. Let's go on now to another game out West. We'll stay out West here with the L.A. Chargers off the Monday night win. The Chargers taking on the Seattle Seahawks who have been one of the surprise teams. Most believe that Seattle might only be a two-win team, something like that. They've been very competitive. They won again last week over Arizona. They're getting six points now at the Chargers. Our total is 50 in this one. Chris Farley's got another official play, so you will lead us off here on the BetUS NFL show for this game. What do you have in this one, Chris? Yeah, before I say my play, I'll say this. Scott and I have talked about coaches a few times on this show. In my opinion, it's worked out well for me historically betting. Most important uh, figures to think about in an NFL game, quarterback and coach. There is a significant coaching disparity in this game, if you ask me. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, they come into the season. Everyone's kind of low on the Seahawks. 
he has these players fighting and playing really hard every single week. I thought that was a good spot for the Cardinals last week, even on the road to get right in their offense. Did not happen. Some, you know, some players like Tariq Woolen, for example, in their secondary on the defensive line, these no names are coming up and they're playing really well. So kudos to Pete Carroll. And I could only look in the Seahawks side in this game. As far as the total goes, though, I think this is going to look a lot like the Chargers and the Browns, which we saw a few weeks ago, where both teams can kind of take advantage of the other's uh, inefficiencies on defense. The Chargers defense continues to allow other teams to go up and down the field, especially in the passing game. J.C. Jackson continues to have a lot of problems. Again, another indictment of Brandon Staley, who I'm not sure, you know, I mean, the guy's probably 120 pounds soaking wet. I'm not sure if anybody can really relate to him as a head coach in the NFL. And I don't know what he's bringing to the table because he's supposed to be a defensive mastermind. What's happening there? Somebody call this guy out. But the Seahawks, who are confident, they're aggressive. I think they can hang in this game. and I definitely think they can put up points on the Chargers side. Justin Herbert is getting protected. He's one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league right now. That's a really good thing for the Chargers. Should get Keenan Allen back, I believe, in this one, which is obviously huge for them. So I see a lot of points in this game. I'm taking over 50, and I'm surprised that it moved down a little bit. Interesting. There's a lot of debate going on in the chat right now about Brandon Staley and some of his decisions. Uh, Sky Kellen, I know you do not have an official play on this. One good thing for the Chargers, and for those of us in fantasy football that have him, the words Austin Eckler have come around for touchdowns, either running it or catching them, uh, including one back on Monday Night Football. Any thoughts here, Scott, if no official play on Chargers, Seahawks? Uh, not much, you know, to the Keenan Allen point, I put him back into my player ratings and I read something this morning where he was saying, Hey, if they think it's better that I come back after the, the week eight bye, then, you know, that so be it, that's fine. So, um, hopefully he's back. I'd like to see him back playing, but, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, the Seahawks, they're a fun team to watch right now. And they're averaging 6.2 yards a pass, uh, against teams that give up 5.4 yards a pass, um, actually per play should say so. It just boggles my mind that Geno Smith, I, I've got a coworker who lives in Seattle, and I was saying that to him this week. I said, it boggles my mind that this offense is so good right now. And he made a comment somewhat uh, sarcastically, but I think very seriously as well. He goes, Geno can see the, the middle of the field. And he goes, most teams just knew that Russell was going to throw to the sidelines. It was a little bit tougher for him to see. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that kind of plays out a little bit more. But they're a fun team to watch. Uh, Chargers right now, I think, are a little bit overrated here. Uh, and player rating standpoint, I favor the Chargers a little bit, but this yards per play, Seahawks are actually, uh, when you consider their offense and their defense, they're actually 0.2 yards per play better than average. The Chargers are 0.4 yards per, per play below average. Um, so at the line of scrimmage, the Chargers are not getting it done. They've got a whole bunch of injuries. Uh, I would lean Seattle. Seattle does qualify in a momentum situation for me that just plays on teams coming off a big win that just got to 500. That's 49 and 13. Uh, over the years, done very well. I would lean Seattle probably in this thing. Uh, my total, I make it just above the number, so a little bit of lean to the over. And because both teams' pass defenses are so bad um, uh, and both teams can throw the ball, I think it's got a fair shot to get over the total as well. All right, good enough on that. And again, on Geno Smith, he's not only accurate, but you can see the leadership. There was a run play with Kenneth Walker, and you guys may have seen this highlight where he took off, and Geno Smith took off with him, ran past him, and even got in the way. Didn't throw a block block, but got in the way of a defender. That is somebody that when you show that on film, that's leadership. They will rally around things like that. And let's see if it translates at all for Seattle. Chris Farley is hoping for points, points, points. He's on the over for this matchup, Seattle 
and the Chargers. Two to go. Sunday night football, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins. I just saw the Steelers at field level. Again, credit Mitch Trubisky coming off the bench, making plays with his feet and his arm in the second half, or discredit the bug defense for going to sleep. Claypool can make plays. Deontay Johnson can make plays. They've got George Pickens, the receiver from Georgia, that can make plays. Will they continue it after the upset of the Buccaneers or with Tua back in there? Tua has resumed practice off the concussion and missing a couple of games. Will Tua and Miami get well? The Dolphins favored by seven here with the Steelers secondary still banged up. The total is 45. Scott Kellen, begin us real quick. What do you like? I'm going under 45 points in this, TJ. This might be the most uninspiring best bet that uh, I ever give here, but uh, it's just simply a play on the numbers. And I say that because Miami's generating big pass plays, Pittsburgh giving them up. Uh, Pittsburgh's actually moving the ball at times through the air. Miami's banged up in the secondary. So all those things kind of line up that you could have a lot of big plays in this game, which obviously could create more points than, than I would want in this game. But I'll trust my numbers, which have been very good, and they point to the under, so I'm going to take the under. Then one other caveat here, or not caveat, but just point here is Pittsburgh's only played one game this year where the total points in their games have totaled more than 44 points. That was 46 against Cleveland, and I think there was some screwy play at the end of that game uh, that scored a touchdown. So they're And they, they scored 23 back in week one against Cincinnati, but there was a pick six there. So their offense is not generating a lot of points. Um, and I guess in, in wishful thinking, because I've got the under, but maybe just because of Tua's situation, maybe if they can get a lead here, uh, they will run the ball a little bit more, eat some clock, uh, and just get get out of this game without Tua getting hurt. So, um, again, not a super inspiring best bet for you here, but my numbers are good, they're, they're reliable, and they point towards the under, and I'm going to play the under in this game. I do Chris, probably uh, lean to Miami in this game a little bit as well. Fair enough, didn't mean to interrupt. Chris, uh, to you, the Buccaneers really didn't challenge a beat-up a Pittsburgh secondary. I have a feeling that Tua may do that some. Now, to Chris's point, they may run it a little more, but Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, if he's healthy, I know he's been nicked up a little bit too. They may try to test the Steelers. Any quick thought, Chris, before we move on here, if no official play? Yeah, quick thought is I would just rather watch this game. Um, I'm officially still mad at the Miami Dolphins from last week. You know, I went into that game feeling very, very good about my bets in the Dolphins. Team total over 20 and a half, et cetera. They almost doubled. The Vikings in total yards, 458 total yards, and what, 16 points amounted to it. So it's, you know, the thing about this game, too, is even though it sets up, again, really well for the Dolphins, playing at home, trust me, it's cold up here in the Northeast. Steelers are going to sit on that hot side of the sideline, right? So that probably is going to make a difference for the Steelers. Did you see the graphic that Fox put up, the point that people have been making about the visiting sideline being in the sun and the difference in South Florida last week? Scott, I don't know if you saw this. They had a thermometer, one of those that you usually have out at your pool in the South and in Florida, on the Viking sideline and on the Dolphin sideline. The one on the Viking sideline was reading almost 115 degrees, 115 degrees at field level. (laughs) The one on the other sideline was reading 90 degrees. So it is much much colder, cooler on their sideline for what it's worth. The Vikings still won the game for what it's worth uh, on that. But that's Chris's point there about the temperature. We'll see. And the viewers asking, will Tua be rusty or not? We will find out. Uh, in this matchup, Scott Kellen is thinking the points stay down low. Let's lock him in officially on the under in our second-to-last game for the Sunday night game with Pittsburgh at Miami. Can the Steelers – will Kenny Pickett play? We don't know. He's in concussion protocol. Can the Steelers make it two in a row, or do the Dolphins get well? We will find out. 
One game remains, and that is the Monday night game. The New England Patriots hosting the Chicago Bears. What did we do to deserve the Bears continuing to be on in standalone national TV games? This is the third time already off a bad season and a fired coach. I know it's the Chicago TV market, but good Lord. All right, so Chicago, a nine-point underdog on Monday night football going into New England. who was very impressive second week in a row. Bailey Zappi looking good at quarterback. Our number is 39 and a half. The closing play is Scott Kellens. It's the back half of a tease from earlier the show. Pay it off, my friend. What do you like? All right, we're going to do a six-and-a-half-point teaser here that is going with Indianapolis uh, that we mentioned earlier. We want to get it under three in, on this, TJ, so six-and-a-half down from nine gives us a – we're laying two-and-a-half here. Bears are not a very good team here. Um, they're worst in a league in allowing pressures, uh, while New England's sixth best in applying pressure. They should be putting pressure – and by the way, the Bears don't throw the ball a whole lot here. So if they get down, which I expect them to get down, uh, that could be even more troublesome for them in this game. But the Bears have not fared well on the road as dogs when playing teams that finished the season uh, 500 or above and were better than average teams. Obviously, we're only six games into this season, but New England fits that profile right now. Since 2019, when the Bears have been average, well, since 2019, the Bears became an average or below average team. Since that time, in that profile, playing good teams on the road, 0-12 straight up, 1-11 against the spread. Their only cover was losing by seven as eight-and-a-half-point dogs to Minnesota a few weeks ago. They have not come closer than seven points in any of those games. They're not going to come closer in this game. And from a New England standpoint, since Brady left uh, 2020 and beyond, they're now 5-1 against the spread as a home favorite of seven or more points. So when they're the vastly superior team without Brady, they're taking care of it. And they're just 3-4 and four against the spread when they're a home favorite of less than seven. So as these larger favorites, Bill Bel- Belichick's doing his thing. Uh, and I expect them, I don't know about 29 to nothing like they did to Detroit a couple weeks ago. But I don't see how Justin Fields is going to do anything against Bill Belichick's offense or defense. And I think the, the Patriots can do more than enough to win this game. I'll do the teaser just um, because I'd rather not be laying all the points, but I think we've got a very good teaser here with the Patriots to fit this profile. I'm closing with a very profound point. The Bears can't throw the football, Chris Farley. I know you don't have an official play. Now they're going to, to New England against Belichick's defense. This seems to play right in the Patriots' hands. Any quick thoughts here before we're done, if no official play? Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed by Justin Fields on Thursday Night Football. Made some really good throws in that game. It just couldn't convert in the red zone. But this is what Bill Belichick does best, right? Takes away your best player on offense, and the best player is Justin Fields. He's going to be able to make things happen, uh, or, or he's going to try to make things happen. So I don't know how the Bears are going to score points in this one. And Bill Belichick is chasing George Hollis's – well, actually, yep. just tied George Hollis for second. That's right. Winning as coach of all time. So kind of appropriate that they're facing the Bears now. I really like Scott's play, and I just saw a comment from Timmy about teasing the total in this one. Just, you know, same game, maybe a little different, but please don't tease totals in the NFL as much as you can. Try to avoid that. There's just a lot of variance. Again, Fields is good throwing the short things, but there's no downfield passing. They're playing right into New England's hands, uh, it would seem like, here for Chicago. Again, the official play is the back half of the tease for Scott from earlier uh, with Indianapolis, I believe it is, with the two-team tees, and teases that line down 
a little bit. Man, it's been a blur, and we've got to get out of here on the BetUS NFL show. Let's regroup one more time and take a look at the best bets from the guys. Chris and Scott, you can see them there on your screen, including Scott with a couple of different two-team teasers that involve the New England Patriots, the New Orleans Saints, and the Colts are involved in both of those two-team teasers. And again, out west, Chris has got a couple of plays on the 49ers and also on the Seahawks-Chargers game. Guys, with that, I think we're done. Final closing comment real quick. Uh, Scott Kellen, final thoughts before we get out of here for another weekend of the NFL. Hey, just looking forward to it. And uh, we're starting to finally get some numbers that we can hopefully kind of rely on going forward. And uh, just looking forward to another great week of NFL action. Brother Farley, anything else in closing before we're done? Yeah, final thought is we're seeing a lot of these underdogs obviously cover I wouldn't expect that to necessarily change. Why? Because the books are making money off of it. The public is walking right off the cliff. You know, they, they love to take big favorites. They don't get it. Uh, so, you know, that might not change anytime soon. soon. I wouldn't be surprised. Fair enough, guys. Good luck with all the plays, including on Thursday Night Football. Coming up here this evening, we'll see what happens with the uh, Cardinals hosting the Saints and then all the way through the weekend of the Monday night game that finishes with New England and Chicago. Again, we're here Thursdays at 1. Scott Kellen, thank you. Good luck. Chris Farley, thank you. Good luck. Thank you to all of our friends at BetUS. We had another blast on the BetUS NFL show.